Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. If I haven't met you, my name is Sean, and my wife Gracie and I are on leadership here at Hope Church. And it's exciting to speak to you today. I don't get to do a lot of pulpit ministry anymore. I'm usually in the back running the web stream. So it's a nice change of pace for me. If you want to follow the scripture with me this morning, make sure I'm not making anything up. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8, New Testament, book of Romans chapter 8. Before we get started, I want you to know that Pastor Josh and I have known each other since we were in high school. We went to high school youth group together, and we had a phenomenal youth pastor, and I'm going to cry just thinking about it. (laughs) But we're going to get through it because there's people watching online. And I would like to take full credit for Pastor Josh and Brianne meeting each other. <laughs> True story. When Gracie and I were getting married uh, here in 2005, um, I invited Josh and his dad, Pastor Randy, to do the music at our wedding, because I know they're phenomenal musicians. And Pastor Randy did Here Comes the Bride on an electric guitar for when Gracie walked down the aisle with her dad. And Brianne was one of Gracie's bridesmaids, so they met at our wedding. So everything you see is all, I'm just going to take it right now. (laughs) That's okay. Did you find Romans? Did you find chapter 8? Excellent. We're going to begin reading in verse 14. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And now we call him Abba, Father. Verse 16, for his spirit, notice this, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or confirm, or bear witness, if you have an old King James, or give evidence that we are his children. And if we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of what? God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I want to talk this morning about suffering. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Verse 18. Yet what we suffer now, for those wondering about suffering, verse 18, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Amen? I want to go back to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Could we reverse that verse? Could we say it this way? If you are a child of God, you can be led by his Spirit. Would that be okay? So if you are a child of God this morning, you have the right, the opportunity to be led by his spirit. That's what this verse says. Amen? In other words, being a child of God comes with certain rights and privileges. And one of them is the ability to hear and follow his, the spirit of God or to be led. We see this in Jesus' life. You don't have to turn here, but in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, so we see the connection, 
returned from the Jordan and was led, same word, by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's where he was tempted of the enemy. Some versions, instead of the word led, use the word urged, carried, taken, or brought. But it all means the same thing, led. And this is free. This is not part of my message. How many know that the Spirit led Jesus into a difficult place? Which tells me the Spirit of God will not always lead us to easy places, but will lead us to necessary ones. Hang on to that thought. We'll come back to that later. That word led is the Greek word ago. It's a little word in Greek. And it means to be attached to someone else. To be attached to someone else. It means to be guided, directed, or compelled. And I remember this Greek word because if you say the English word led, and if you see the Greek word ago, it kind of sounds like the phrase let's go. And that's exactly what the Spirit wants to do when he leads you. He's saying, let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Well, your next scripture, let's go to the book of John. And while you're turning to the book of John, I'm going to tell you a story. This story is about a friend of mine. His name is John. I first met John here in the high country in 2003. I was speaking at a youth conference, the first time I'd ever come to Boone. And John was a punk kid. And he was assigned to me as my armor bearer for that conference. Some of you may know what that means. Some of you don't. Don't worry about it. It just meant he was supposed to do whatever I told him to do. If I wanted water, he got me water. And he carried my Bible around and he kept riffraff away. Don't, don't bother the preacher. And I, he was a teenager. He had just graduated from high school. And over the next few years, I became an influence in his life. I began to mentor him or disciple him or life coach him, whatever the popular term is these days. And he was in that stage, and remember you, maybe you remember the stage after high school, where he was kind of going to college, but kind of not. And he was kind of living at home and kind of living with friends. And he was kind of working, and he was kind of dating this girl. And he was kind of coming to church, but he didn't want to fully commit. And after a few years, he had an opportunity to move to Florida and go to Bible school. And he was talking, and I was so shocked when he came to me and said, because I was like, wow. Because I was like, yes, you should do that. You should get out of your parents' home. You should leave all these half things you're involved with and go do the plan of God. And so he's talking to me about it, and he's like, will you come over to my house and convince my parents that this is what I should do? Because he didn't want to tell them. And at the same time, his parents came to me and said, will you talk to John and tell him not to go to Florida and go to Bible school? We want him to stay here and take care of us. So they were at what we call an impasse, and they're hoping that the associate pastor, which was me, would come and tell them what the will of God was in this situation. So I'm driving over to their house one night for dinner. It's all about to go down, and he calls me, John calls me, to tell me his sister's coming to dinner too, just to watch the fireworks of all everything I'm about to do. So I'm praying hard, because I'm like, Lord, I feel strongly that this is your will for him to get out of his parents' house, to move to Florida, and go to Bible school. And I need your help to tell his parents and to make it okay, because they were members of the church. And I'm driving and praying. And it, I was, sometimes you just know, I just knew so I had no issue telling him, yes, this is the plan of God for your life. But his parents was going to be more challenging. So I'm driving, and the Spirit of God speaks to me in the car and says, do not tell him to go. And I was like, why would I not tell him to go? They, that's literally my one job as a pastor. They pay me to do this. 
They expect me to go in there, pray with them, and say, this is what the Lord is saying. Why would I not do that? And the Lord said this to me, and I'll try to get through it. Help me, Lord. He said, if you tell him to go, he will go in the strength of your word and not my word. And he is going to need my word to do what I want him to do and go where I want him to go. And I said, yes, sir. (laughs) So I got there, and at the whole dinner, they kept trying to bring it up, and I just kept changing the subject. And they'd bring it up, and I'd change the subject. We'd talk about church, the weather, the dog, the food, everything else but this. And it was actually a nice evening. And at the end of the night, you know, they're waiting for me, and I just said, let's have a time of prayer. So we prayed, and I just said, Lord, make your will clear to each one in this house. And I left. I got out of there. But he went. He went to Bible school. His parents let him go. Gracie's laughing. And a few years later, at his graduation, which I was at, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is ridiculous. I told him this story, and I said, this is why I never told you what to do. I was like, the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, (laughs) he went through some storms. (sighs) I'm okay. I'll get through it. And he said, I'm so thankful that you did what you did because I went through some hard times. And I had to remember that it was the Lord that sent me here and no man. Sometimes hearing and obeying the voice of God is not easy. Hearing is not the problem very often. It's the obedience part. Amen? This is a long story, and I could talk about John for a long time, but a few years after he graduated, he went on his first missions trip. He met a man, and now he's a full-time missionary in Africa. And I don't believe he would have got there without going on all these steps. The Lord did not call him from Boone to Africa. There were things he needed to go through first in order to get where he is today. And a lot of you know my friend John. He was here recently to give an update about overland missions. That is him. He's doing great. You are going to need the strength of God's word to go forward and do what he has called you to do. And sometimes his spirit will lead you to challenging situations in order to grow you to become the man and woman of God he needs you to be in order to go where he wants you to go. And the first thing you need to know is his spirit is living inside of you and you have the ability to hear and be led by his voice. Amen? Let's go to the, where did I tell you to go? John? John's a good place. I should probably go there myself. Not that I remember where to go in John. But it's in one of these notes. If you know me, you know that I am nothing if not extremely prepared at all times. (laughs) I have seven pages of notes. I only brought four because I said I'm not going to do all that. I'm not even going to bring those other pages because then I'll get tempted to go to those pages. Let's go to John chapter 10. So my first piece of evidence this morning is that about you being led by the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God inside of you bears witness or testifies or corroborates that your spirit and God's spirit can agree together. You can be led by the spirit of God. John chapter 10, this is Jesus. Is it okay if we read about Jesus in church? This is John chapter 10. Let's begin reading in verse two. 
It says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, Jesus knows your name, and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know a stranger's voice. Look at this. He calls them by name. If you're a sheep, you're a sheep. I'm a sheep. We're all really attractive, happy sheep. (laughs) He calls them by name and leads them out. This tells me Jesus has a personal plan for your life, a personal leading for your name. That's a different message. He walks ahead of them. How hard is it to follow someone who's walking ahead of you? And they follow him because they know his voice. Jesus here said, my sheep know my voice. When the enemy tries to tell you, you can't hear from God, you remind him that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Your job is to identify as Jesus' sheep. There's a lot of talk about identity these days. Let me tell you how I identify a sheep of the Most High God. And I know his voice because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He is the good shepherd and he walks ahead of me and I follow him because I know his voice. That word there for know is the Greek word ido. And this is a very interesting word. It speaks to a knowing at one time and then a continual knowing from there. So Jesus is saying, there was a time when I called you to salvation and you recognized my voice for the first time, but my voice in your life did not stop there. It continued after that. So it was not just a one-time calling, but it is a continual calling that you are his sheep and he is speaking And you have the right and the ability to hear him and to follow him wherever he leads. Amen? One time, I've got several stories. I always put down several stories and then decide in the moment what story I'm going to tell. We're going to tell this one. One time in Florida, my parents had abandoned me. They had all moved to another state, and they were selling their home, which means, and I was staying behind because I was an adult, and I was getting a job, and I was done with college, So I was finding my own apartment, and this was the scariest thing I had ever done. I was going to live by myself for the first time ever, and I was apartment hunting, and I found the perfect apartment. It was the right price, it was the right location, and more importantly, it was close to my girlfriend at the time, because if worse comes to worse and I run out of food, I can go to her parents' house and ask for food. And she was excited, because it was right down the street. Gracie's like, I've never heard this story. The only problem was, every time I went and looked at that apartment, something inside of me said, no. And I was like, that's crazy. This is the perfect place. I can afford it. It's in a great location. I can get to my job and school and other places. It's not as close to the church as I would like, but that's okay. And I just, it was just, no. And I kid you not, I was driving home in my car, and I'm like ready to sign the paperwork. And everything inside of me is like, bad idea. And even my car, I swear, started acting up. It was like, even my car knew I was in rebellion if I took this apartment. And I just finally was like, all right, Lord, it doesn't seem like you want me to have this apartment. I don't know where else to go. I have to get out of my parents' house. You know, like, they're selling their home. There's a date. 
I have to go somewhere else. I thought this was it. So I'm just like, I surrender. You're going to have to make a way where there is no way because I have not been able to find anything else. And as soon as I made that decision to not get that place, the peace of God immediately came back. My car started driving smoother, I swear. I was like, okay. And wouldn't you know it, within days, I found another place that was better, cheaper, closer to the church, and further from my girlfriend. All good things. <laughs> and I stayed in that place for like a year and had so many, so many God stories in that, in that apartment. It was perfect. Sometimes the Lord will not speak to you, but he will direct and guide you by peace. We're not going to have to go there for the sake of time, but you just need to know that. There are times he will speak to you through his word. In fact, that is the primary way he will speak to you is through his word. Secondly, he will speak to you through peace or for the, through the voice of his spirit. Interesting to note that his voice will not speak to your mind and his voice will not speak to your body his spirit will speak to your spirit. Why? Because he created your spirit and that's where he connects with you. As natural human people on the earth, we are used to obeying our body first, our mind second, and our spirit third. You need to stop that. As a Christian, you need to flip the script and say, my spirit has priority. My soul or my mind is in second place. And my body is way down here on the totem pole. And your body will always yell at you the loudest. If you don't believe me, try fasting for more than one meal. Your body has a voice and it will speak loudly. As long as you are controlled by the voice of your body, you will very often not hear the Spirit of God. But when you start to move the Spirit to, that is my priority, you will begin to hear God more clearly. You'll begin to hear Him more clearly in His Word, and more clearly when he speaks to you. The third most common way that the Lord will speak to you is through another person. That's why you come to church. That's what we're doing right now. I'm speaking to you and you are hearing the voice of God. Hopefully well. If it's messing up, it's because I'm messing up. He speaks well. Very often that's why you feel the need to encourage or pray for someone else. You are speaking to them as God in that moment. We're going to get into the Holy Spirit here in just a second, but let me say this. The Greek word for the Holy Spirit and the Greek word for encouragement are, are missing only one letter. Because when you are encouraging someone, when you are edifying them, when you are speaking life and truth to them, you are actually taking the job of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Earlier when I talked about my friend John, the Lord was like, I don't want you to speak to him because I want to speak to him. That's only happened to me a handful of times in 20, 25 years of teaching the word. The majority of the time, I do speak to the person because very often they cannot hear for themselves. But at some point, as you mature spiritually, you're going to have to hear for yourself. You know, I don't know how I know that. Because at some point, my mom stopped making me dinner. At some point, she drew me a map to the refrigerator and said, you are an adult. You can figure it out. For a long time, we will carry you and help you grow in the church, and we will speak as God to you. But at some point, you're going to have to make the decision, I'm going to hear God for myself. I'm going to be led by his spirit, and I'm going to go where he wants me to go, and I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and I'm going to obey his voice. Amen? So that was point number two, that you can be led. You are his sheep, and you know the voice of Jesus. Can we say that together? I know the voice of my good shepherd. I know the voice of Jesus. And your mind will go, no, you don't. The word of God says, I do. Amen? Amen. 
All right, third piece of evidence this morning about being led. Let's go to John chapter 14. You're already in John. Throw over a few pages. You might say, well, I don't know if I can do this all by myself. I have to hear the voice of God. You have a helper, and we're going to read about him right now. John chapter 14. Let's begin reading in verse 16. Where are we? Here we are. Verse 16. This is Jesus. I know because it's in red. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I need your help right here. My Bible says advocate. Does your Bible say any other word right here? Helper. Helper. Anything else? Comforter. Comforter. Interesting. Savior. Savior. I don't know, but what, what version are you reading? <laughs> the Passion. I have my own thoughts about the Passion. I'm not going to go there because my wife would throw things at me. And no one wants to see that in church. Savior, that's so interesting. So what else do we have? Comforter, helper, counselor, anything else? Encourager. See, there it was. I told you those two words are right close together. In Greek, every word is in a family of words, and every family of words have similar meaning. The difference between encourager and the Holy Spirit, it's like one letter. It's amazing. The, the reason there are so many different words is the translators have trouble with this word. In Greek, the word for the Holy Spirit is the parakalitos, parakalitos or the paraclete. And I always remember the word paraclete, and this is really silly, but you'll remember it. Anyone watch up, uh, grow up watching pirate movies? And remember sometimes the one pirate would have a bird on his shoulder who would speak to him? Raise the sails. And that bird was usually a parakeet. Well, the difference between a parakeet and a paraclete is right there. So when you think of the Holy Spirit, he is right there, ready and willing to speak to you. He is the parakalitos. And the parakalitos is two Greek words. The Greek word para, which means right next to you. Um, it actually can speak of the relationship between a husband and a wife. That's how close the Spirit of God is to you. The word kalitos comes from the Greek word uh, kaleo, which I never remember how it means, but I wrote it down. Oh, yes. It means to call or to beckon. What's interesting about this word is it doesn't just mean to call someone. Like if I would say, hey, Gracie, come up here, that would be me calling her. It can also speak to the divine call that's on your life. So this word also defines to us the Holy Spirit's job description, which was he is called by God to be with us and to help us. The original word here is actually an old legal term, and it means an advocate or a lawyer, someone you hired to speak on your behalf. But the reason they translated all these words is because he is all these things. He is our advocate. He is our helper. He is our comforter, our encourager. Our counselor, and this one I like, our standby. I like that word standby because it denotes how close he is. Let me read the scripture and I'll give you some more. He is the Holy Spirit. Notice this, verse 17, who leads you into all truth. There's our third piece of evidence. He leads us. And where does he lead us? Into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is not looking for him. But you know him. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said you know the Holy Spirit. So when your mind says, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to say, Jesus said you have the Holy Spirit. He leads you and you know him. That's amazing. And why do you know him? Because he lives with you and will be in you. When you were saved, whether you knew it or not, you also got the Holy Spirit. And he is working on the inside. And Jesus, the head of the church, the Lord of glory says he leads you you know him, and you just have to follow his voice. Isn't that amazing? 
It's like he didn't leave us alone. Verse 26, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, so he represents Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit, look at this, he will teach you everything. Isn't that amazing? So when you say, I don't know, I encourage you to get I don't know out of your vocabulary because between you and the Holy Spirit, you know everything. It's just your mind that's in the way. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That's amazing. Still in John, let's go over to John chapter 16. So he is the paraclete. He is the advocate. The old definition of a paraclete is called to one side to give aid. And his name means closeness and his name means to call. That is God's given assignment to the Holy Spirit. His job is to lead us. So whenever you don't know what to do, I like to say, help me, Holy Spirit, because that's literally his job description. And you know what he says? Okay, here's what we're going to do. John chapter 16, and let's go down to verse 7. I don't know if you've ever had this thought. I've had this thought. You know what would have been exciting? To be alive when Jesus was alive. Gracie and I have been watching this television series called The Chosen, which I highly recommend. I love it. And it is so exciting to see Jesus walking and doing things. And I'm like, that would be awesome. Well, the disciples apparently had the same thought because in John 16, verse 7, Jesus says this to them. He says, in fact, it is better for you that I go away. And they're like, wrong answer, Jesus. Actually, it would not be better if you went away. But Jesus says it will be better because if I don't go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. Skip down to verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, that's what he is, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Notice verse 7, where Jesus says, It is better for you that I go away. That word better is the Greek word sumphero, and it means to carry something with someone else. To carry something with someone else. And it is a compound Greek word. The Greek word son means with. And the Greek word phero means to carry. So Jesus is saying, when I leave, I'm not going to have you carry the burdens of your life by yourself. But I'm going to assign someone to you to help you carry the load. So whenever it feels overwhelming, too tough, too much, Jesus has personally assigned someone to you to help carry things for you. And where is he? We already read it. He lives in you and shall be with you. So he carries things for you. He knows the truth. He doesn't speak on his own behalf. He's just like Jesus, and he's there to lead you and guide you, and you can hear his voice. Amen? Now, there's a Greek scholar I really enjoy following, and he, the, one of the definitions of this word that the translators like to use for the Holy Spirit is the word assistant. And I don't care for this definition, because to me, an assistant means some, sounds to me like someone lower than me, like I'm the boss and they're the assistant. But this Greek scholar says, in his opinion, the best modern definition of the Greek word parakletos is the English word coach. And I really had to think about that. I had never heard that before. Because when I start to think of the Holy Spirit as my coach, that is an entirely different meaning. 
But he says, if you look at the life of Jesus and what he was to the disciples, and if the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like Jesus to us, that definition would fit his job description. So I encourage you to start thinking of him as your coach, your personal coach who knows how to coach you perfectly. Now, how many of you in here have had a coach at some point in their life? This really only works if you've had a coach. If you haven't had a coach, I'm not sure. So my sophomore year of high school, I had the best coach I've ever had, and I had the worst coach I've ever had in the same year. The best coach I've ever had, I am still friends with him to this day on social media. I mean, he coached me 25 years ago, and, we're st and I still know him. And the coach that was terrible, I can't even remember his name. <laughs> Isn't that weird? But you know the difference between the good coach and the bad coach? The good coach cared about us as individual players and as a team. Now, we were all going toward a common purpose to be the best that we could be to win games so he could keep his job and get paid. But he also coached us not just for the sport we were playing, which was soccer, but he coached us individually in our personal lives because he knew at some point we were going to stop playing soccer, but we were going to keep living and he coached us on all levels. He made us better than we could be individually as a team. This is fresh revelation right now, and I'm going to get through it. And you know what's interesting? I had so much respect for him as a coach because we knew that he loved us, that he cared for us. He would get out and practice with us. He would take hits with us. He didn't just sit on the sidelines and say, run harder, try more, hit somebody. He was out there in the middle of it with us. And when we saw that dedication, determination, that he was right there in the middle of it, we played harder for him. There were many games where we were outmatched. <laughs> what else do I got? Let's turn the page. Oh, but you know, you want to hear the worst part about being emotional? I completely lose my train of thought. And if you ever see me do this, it's because I'm looking at Gracie, hopefully that she's going to hold up a sign saying, this is where you are. She's never done that. It would really help me out. Every time I'm like, what was I even talking about? Coaches, a good coach, when you have a good coach, you remember him and you play better for him. You know, it was interesting when I had the bad coach, it was my basketball coach in high school. That basketball team that I was on, 12 guys, that was the greatest individually talented basketball players I had ever played with personally. Every single one of those guys, except for one, was an amazing basketball player. But as a team, he could not coach us. He could not bring us together and make us better than we were individually. And we actually only went 500 that year. We lost as many games as we won. We should have gone undefeated or maybe lost one or two games at the most. We were that good, but he was such a terrible coach. In fact, he was so bad that every single one of us complained to the athletics director about him. And the next year they demoted him. And the year after that, they demoted him again to the middle school girls coach from a high school coach. Not that, not that there's anything wrong <laughs> with middle school girls basketball. My point was, that was the lowest level of coaching job at the school. Yeah, I, I feel like there's nowhere else I can go. I can't hide. Pastor Josh is probably watching this being like, that's the last time. He's, he's done after that. That was simply to make a point 
Oh my gosh. Yep. 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 He was a bad coach. Let's just end with that. What else do I got? Quick, let's go to another scripture. I think that was about it, actually. So point number one. Let's bring it back around quick. I'm going to hear about that all the rest of today. Point number one. You can be led by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit lives in you. You have the right and the ability to hear his voice and to know his voice. Point number two, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So if you identify as a sheep this morning of the Most High God, guess what? You can know and hear and understand his voice. And point number three, Jesus assigned you a helper, a coach, a comforter, an advocate, a standby that he said you know that lives in you who will lead you and speak truth to you. Amen? Last story. This will be my final point for this morning. One day, I was in Florida. I grew up in Florida. And I was driving my car. I got, after I got my apartment, we already talked about that. And I got my first real job after college. And I saved up my money and I bought my first real car. Finally got rid of the car that had taken me through high school and college in the first year of my job. I had a 1989 Pontiac Bonneville which my parents had given to me in 1999 when I graduated from high school. So I was, it was 10 years old when they gave it to me. It had 150,000 miles on it when they gave it to me. And, it had, and it, they, my dad took the radio out of it and put a tape player in it. And I was living large, let me tell you. <laughs> when I got rid of that car, it had 475,000 miles on it. And it had one problem the whole time I had had it. I sold it for $800 to a neighbor for him to haul garbage with it. That's all he was going to do with it. And I bought my car, uh, which was a, an Acura, a, used, a, used, a very used Acura. And I loved that car. And I put the obnoxious spoiler on it. I put an obnoxious muffler on it. Did you see that car? Did I? Oh, yeah, Gracie's shaking her head. That, she's like, that was not the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that car. <laughs> And I put different wheels and tires on it, and I souped up the engine. I put a great sound system in it. I loved that car. I would shift. The only problem was in Florida, if I would turn on the air conditioning, the engine would go down. So I got really good at driving with the AC off in Florida. I would roll down all the windows and open up the sunroof and turn up my music. Of course, it was all Christian music. And I would drive down the road, getting through those gears. And one day, I am driving uh, quickly. Do not speed, children. Quickly, I was driving. And I had the windows down and the music up, and I pulled up to a stoplight, grooving out, and a police officer pulled up right next to me. You ever had that moment? You're like, caught by the law. So I slowly turned down my music, and I slowly turned up all the windows, and I slowly closed the sunroof, and I looked straight ahead, because I could just feel him over there looking at me with my obnoxious spoiler. And I'm just sitting there. And I went from very loud, very noisy, very fast, to it being very quiet in a matter of just a few seconds. And right then, the Lord spoke to my heart. Shocked me. He said, I will not compete with the noise in your life. And I was like, and the, the cop pulled out, and it turned green, and I'm just sitting there. You know, people are honking at me. I'm like, oh, I should go. I'm like going slowly. I've never forgotten that. But very often, if you cannot hear the voice of God, it's because your life is too loud. And as Christians, as believers, as adults, we need to learn to turn down the noise in our lives, which is easier said than done, especially if you have young children. 
but it is a necessary skill for you to develop. You have to find time. You have to make time to get quiet and prioritize the voice of God in your life. The more we honor the voice of God, the more we prioritize his word and him speaking to us, the more he will speak to us. And what we will find is he was speaking the whole time. We just weren't listening. Amen? Well, I think that's enough for this morning. You all feel good? All right. Can I lead you all in a confession this morning? I like to do this. <clears throat> so you will repeat after me. I am a child of God. Therefore, I am led by the Spirit of God. My spirit agrees with the Spirit of God. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my good shepherd. I follow him. I hear and I know his voice. I do not follow the voice of a stranger. I have the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Truth. He leads me. He guides me. He is my personal coach in this life. Help me, Holy Spirit. Your voice and your leading I prioritize in my life today. I choose to obey you even when it's difficult for my flesh. Amen. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.